Hello, and thanks for taking the time to tune into our podcast. This is Pastor Carson with Calvary Tabernacle. Every week, what we're putting on the podcast is a snapshot of what's happening here, whether it's our local services or whether it's different teaching sessions. And the ultimate goal is really tied to our mission here at Calvary, and that is to reach, to connect, and to disciple. We hope that wherever you are, this podcast is a blessing for you. And if you're in the Indianapolis area, we would absolutely love for you to come by. Join us for a service, whether that be 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning, 6.30 p.m. on a Sunday night, or 7 p.m. on a Wednesday. We would love to see you here at Calvary Tabernacle. God bless you, and enjoy the podcast. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go in the Word of the Lord to the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. This is the birthday of the church that we are reading about, as you just sang about, where there is the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, over 3,000 souls being added to the church in a day. But then after the outpouring of the Holy Ghost occurs, we read into the scripture, some things that occur after Acts 2.38. And I'd like you to read with me anytime you see the word and, if you would say that with me. All right? You ready? And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And fellowship. And in breaking of bread. And in prayers. And fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles and all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Anyone notice a recurring word in those verses? I want to talk to you with the help of the Lord for the next couple moments about free ice water. Free ice water. Let's pray. Jesus, I love you. I feel the Holy Ghost here, God. Your presence is amongst us, and I pray that we would open up our hearts, our minds, and our souls for the next few moments that you would speak to your church. Lord, I believe that your kingdom is going to come, that your will is going to be done here on earth, in Indianapolis, at Calvary Tabernacle, as it is in heaven. Lord, let it be so today. Day by day, give us this daily bread, Lord, as we are reaching out to you for revival. God, we believe that all things are possible to them that believe. I pray that there would be an atmosphere of faith and persuasion, God. I pray that there would be an expectation in this house and we open up our hearts and our minds to you. And somebody say in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor, poke him in the eye, tell him we walk by faith, not by sight. You may be seated. Hallelujah. You all ready? We read this portion of scripture perhaps some here your first time second time third time coming across that and others you've read it annually in your year-to-year -year bible reading and i love reading through the book of acts for a variety of reasons but if you are unaware of this the book of acts is important for this primary reason for me personally is that it is the only document that we have of the original church there is lots of other history out there about early church history something that happened a hundred years later 200 300 years later but i appreciate history at that time but i am very much interested at seeing the birth the original of the church i want to be as close as i can be to the original, to what God intended the church to be. 
Because we read in verse 47 that the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Meaning that there is a church that should be. There is a church that could be. There is a church that would be. If we could merely discover what it is that this early church had. And if we can have what this original church had, perhaps we here in Indianapolis can see the Lord add to the church daily such as should be saved. In these six verses that we just read, we read one word 17 times. It is the word and. Not a very complicated word, not a very long word, pretty simple. It simply means also, as well, in addition to. It is a word of continuum. It is a word of momentum. I believe revival is more than a moment. It is to be a momentum. People look for that single key to revival, but it is a series of events that transpire over time. And I believe that God wants us as the church to be added daily, such as should be saved. We run the risk as a Pentecostal people of believing in a singular moment that we look back to and we're almost Calvinist by nature that we believe that we are once saved, always saved. And this moment is all that matters. I'm okay. I could move on. I could carry on with my life because I have been born again of water and spirit. Now, how many are thankful you've been born of water and spirit? There's nothing like it as they begin to sing that song just a few moments ago about being baptized in Jesus name and about being filled with the Holy Ghost. How we watched just a couple people in the beginning of service being baptized in the name that is above every name. But the Bible says in these six verses, there was more activity than a personal born again experience. It was connected to an and. The church, it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And there was fellowship. And there was breaking of bread. And they went from house to house. And there was miracles. And there were signs. And there were one. I don't know how you feel, but I like that to be a part of my church. I thank God for Acts 2.38. But and would there be some fellowship in the church? And would there be some prayer meetings house to house? And would there be some miracles? And would there be some signs? And would there be some wonders i would like to be the church that should be i want to be that kind of people the bible says in the book of peter chapter one that he says look add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and it keeps on going and add 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 why because if we're not adding we're losing god wants this church to be added to God wants this church to be in momentum, in a continuum, in a forward progress. And I've read the book of Acts more times than I can shake a stick at, looking and trying to figure out what is it that they had? What is it? And there are a number of elements that we could discuss here tonight. But I believe the Holy Ghost would have me to Focus in on to one of these phrases in the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 46. It ends with this last end and in this verse. It says, and singleness of heart. That word singleness in the original language, this is the only time it appears. And it simply means smoothness. Simplicity. How many like when things run smoothly? How many like when things run covidly? It messes everything up. Our normal, our smooth way of life, our simple life 
has just been thrown out the window. And now we are living in a complicated time. Singleness of heart. Because if we can have this singleness of heart, there is something that naturally and smoothly and simply can take place into the church. You know, if you're here today and you're single and ready to mingle, you're thinking, man, if I would just get married, life would be a whole lot smoother. Yeah, everything changes when you get married. I, I, I'm not dogging on my wife or anything like that. It is the blessing of the Lord that I have my wife. But when you introduce one will and another will and the two unite, then the two collide. Because it is two wills, two different ways of life coming together. And you thought singleness was difficult because you were all alone. But try joining the finances together and making decisions. Try, try figuring out, you know, where the laundry and when the laundry's done. Things get complicated when you get married. If you're looking for some great, powerful marital advice, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It's fantastic. <laughs> Paul even says, he goes, I just want you to know. He calls, he calls marriage, he calls spouses and children, he calls them distractions. Hey, come here, a little distraction. I mean, my little child, I love you. <laughs> but he says that you don't mind the things of the Lord anymore. You know, God, I'll give you all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, all my strength. Let me just take care of my kids real fast. I got to. Because they compete for your attention. And all of a sudden, life becomes more complicated, not just in marriage, but in having children. Then children grow up and then children have children. Life is complicated. But there is something that God wants there to be in the church. And that is a singleness of heart. And if the church would have this simplicity in place, the Lord can add daily to the church such as should be saved. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 in the word of the Lord, verse 3, Paul was fearful or concerned about some things. He goes, I fear that what's going to happen is just like that serpent beguiled Eve from the simplicity that is in Christ. He will do the same thing with you. Because the enemy knows, he knows that we are never more in danger than when we stray away from the simplicity that is in Christ. The devil knows this, so he excels at helping you and I accumulate complications. If he can get you and I to accumulate distractions and complicated matters, all of a sudden we can stray away. We've, see, we've turned church into something more complicated than what God intended it to be. I'm not saying that church ought to be just, you know, messy and sloppy and choppy and all that. I, I believe in systems. I believe in structure. I believe in a spirit of excellence. I, I am thankful that this church has operated as such as I went to my hotel room. I saw that there was a system and uh, a structure in place that somebody was anointed with a double portion on how to handle gift baskets. <laughs> I, whoever is the anointed chosen vessel of gift baskets in this church. I pray that the Lord would bless you and you are worthy of double honor. Five more kids coming your way in Jesus' name. I mean, <laughs> that was one of the greatest gift baskets I've ever had. And if you're not married, you'll get married. Then five kids in Jesus' name. I should have prefaced that maybe. Amen. <laughs> it's all right to smile in church. You okay? But here we go. That life is complex. And when you are going through what we're going through as not only a church and not only a city, but a state, a country, the entire planet going through something so incredibly complex. And we can find ourselves straying away from the simplicity of how to have revival how to have breakthrough how to see those promises come to pass we read in the scripture in the old testament of a very serious situation this complex matter in second samuel 23 
verses 14 and 15, the Bible says that David was in a hold and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. So here is the anointed vessel of God and he is fighting the good fight of faith. And now his back is up against the wall. He is in a tight place. He is in a difficult situation, not knowing how he is going to make his way out of that. The things that begin to go to your mind, how are we going to break out of this? How are we going to have a breakthrough? How are we going to be victorious? We were in this hold. We're fighting against the garrison and the Philistines. Here we are. I don't know what to do. Think about all the thoughts that would go through your mind. I was talking to a student here a little bit ago. They're telling me a story of someone being held up at gunpoint. I mean, what goes through your mind when you're held up at gunpoint? What goes through your mind when your life seems to be flashing before your eyes and you know you're in deep trouble? What goes through your mind? Well, I need more reinforcements. Maybe if we had better artillery. Maybe if I have these guys flanked to the right. Maybe if we have retreat and then these guys hook bound around left. And maybe. What thought would go through a man's mind? A leader, a general's mind when he's about to be killed and his men are about to be slaughtered. The Bible says, verse 15, David longs, he says, oh, I sure can use a drink of water. I mean, old boy's about to get wiped out. Not like, man, I better, I better send, a, I better send a, a, a text message to my wife and kids real fast, do a little quick selfie before things get messy, and... He's not worried about his estate. He's not, he's not trying to take care of all these matters. He goes, man, I sure could use a drink of water right about now. I'm thinking, oh, I could use some reinforcements right about now. I could use some scud missiles right about now. No, I want a drink of water. And then he says, not only a drink of water, I want one by the well of Bethlehem. That is by the gate. In this major battle with lives at risk, that is what is on his mind. I sure would love some ice water. But not just any ice water. I want Bethlehem ice water. And I, I, I don't want just any Bethlehem ice water. I want the one that's by the gate. It's like, you know, I, yeah, I, I want some Fiji water. And I want it from the Senex gas station. But not the Senex on the west side. I want the Senex on the east side. And because there's something about that east side Senex Fiji gas station water. I mean, he, he, he puts the detail and specifics into what it is that he would like. And then we read here, as he's making this request in a complex situation for something so simple. Verse 16, that three of his mighty men break through the host of the Philistines. And they draw water out of the well of Bethlehem by the gate. They take it. They bring it to David. And so three mighty men, they go out against the enemy. They fight. They push through. They put their life on the line. And they break forth and they get that water. Just three of them against an entire stronghold. Three dudes go against an entire army just to get the Fiji water on the east side of Indy from the Senex gas station. And they get it, and they're like, oh my goodness, that was incredible. And they're still running. There's arrows going at them, and they've still got the guys back in sight, and they're fleeing, but they got the water. Here's this Uber Eats going on as fast as they can. You can't catch me. And they go all the way to David, and they bring him his diva request. Here's the water that you wanted. And David's like, whoa. Well, I didn't really think you guys were eavesdropping. Well, thank you. And he takes that water that they just put their necks on the line for him. That he made a big deal about. And he goes, thanks guys. I'm confused. How would you like that? Think about it. Say you're, you know, you're, you're so excited. You want to have a pastor appreciation gift and you're just passing through the vestibule and Pastor Carson says, man, I love Topo Chico. I love that carbonated mil mineral water. It's unlike any other carbonated mineral water in the world. And you run out and you're broke anyways, but you get your, you get your wife's gift card and you go out, you swipe that thing, you bring it to Pastor Carson. 
And he goes, oh, man. Man, I know you're broke. Man, you got this for me? And then pours it out right in front. How, how would you feel after spending your wife's gift card to get him some Topo Chico and then he pours it out? You would have maybe a few questions and contemplate a few emotions inside of you what to do next. But David saw the value and what they did and giving him some water that he did not pay for. They paid the price for him to get something free. And when he saw it, he was moved by what they did for him. And he says, this it may look like free water, but it's more than free water. This is the price of somebody's blood. And the best thing, the most admirable, commendable, honor worthy thing I can do for these men is not to waste it on myself but to show that I am selfless and I appreciate what you've done and so I bring forth an offering as well you okay I wonder if you can lift your hands for a moment the Holy Ghost is going to move here in the next few moments I ask you to lift up your voice if you would would you ask God to talk to you right now would you ask him to speak to your heart, mind, soul, and strength? God, I pray right now. Take down walls. Take down barriers, God. Lord, the things that would plug our ears, God. The things that would cause us to lose our, Lord, awareness of what you're doing in the spirit. Help us to be sensitive. In these next few moments, someone say in Jesus' name. We're talking about free ice water. Such a basic need. But it took three mighty men. To humble themselves enough to go get a drink of water. It's a basic element. It's just water. But yet we need it. And I don't know if you're like me. I hate paying for it. Like growing up, I, I, never, I never heard of bottled water. Like we, we did this weird thing. Some of you young people, you have no idea what I'm about to say. We did this weird thing called actual reality. We went outside of our home and played outside it is, it is strange stuff I know we're going to need a gift of interpretation to stand up in a moment and we would actually play pickup games at a random park without a referee and without a trophy it's the craziest thing you ever saw and we would just go to some random house and turn on the spigot, get the rubber hose, and drink that water. And some friends would drink that water and you, you would kink the hose. They're like, what's going on? <laughs> they were the best of times. They were the worst of times. They were the 90s. Oh, I started seeing this weird thing happen where people would show up to school with bottled water. Like, what is that? And then I would drink it. I'm like, it tasted awful. Where is that delicious succulent substance of rubber that comes out of the hose? Where is that metal taste in my mouth that comes from the end with rust? Where is my antibodies that I need? I didn't get no COVID in the 90s, you know. I, God, build up that immune system. God bless America. And I, I, I promise, I lie now. I remember drinking bottled water. I'm like, this is gross. It tastes like nothing. And I'm like, where'd you get this? Well, I, I bought it from the pop machine. You bought this? You pay for water? And so I grew up never, ever wanting to pay for water. I made an oath before God. I'll never pay for water. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. But all of a sudden, you know, you get older, you get educated, you find out it's fluoride, and, you know, it's an attack from the government trying to brainwash us or something. And so I can't have no fluoride in me. So I got to go to the gas station and pay for that purified water. I got to get me some Kangen water. I gotta heal this cancer with Kangen water. I, got, I need this purified substance. 
And all of a sudden, I, I even broke down and I paid for a system in my home. And I remember the first, I, I mean, it was, it was horrible to pay money. And when that guy came to do the annual checkup on the filter, I, I watched over his back like a hawk to see if I am getting my money's worth. And he poured out this, like, pulled out this tube. And it looked like it came out of a septic tank. I'm like, thank God for purified water. <laughs> thank God for reverse osmosis and purification systems. We don't necessarily want to pay for something that we don't have to. We see this in the Bible in Deuteronomy 2.6 that they were going by some family's house. And when you go to a family's house, you know, it's just like an unwritten rule. You can raid their fridge, right? You just dig through the cupboards, get whatever you want. It's, it's family, right? You just help yourself. If you've never been able to do that, then, I don't know, you've been abused or something. <laughs> but I, I go to my mom and dad's house, and, man, I just I dig through that. Especially coming, you know, from Bible college, and I'm on, like, winter break, fall break, something like that. And I'm raiding that fridge because I, I wasn't eating nothing when I was here. And so all of a sudden, we see the children of Israel going by some family's house. But God says, you know, this is what I want you to do. I want you to pay for your food. And I want you to buy the water there. What? Pay for water? Look, it, it seems so foreign to people. Because look, in Lamentations 2.6, one of the ways the enemies mocked them was that the Bible says in the book of Lamentations that the children of Israel begin to complain to God. God, man... We want water. And the only way to get this water is to pay for our own water. This basic element of life. Now we are being demoralized by having to pay for water. Such a simple thing. But I'm telling you, it is an essential thing. And anyone here ever done fasting before? You ever done extended fasting? Now I'm not talking about like, you know, you did a Daniel diet and you gained weight. I'm talking about like, you know... I lost some weight, hopefully, in Jesus' name. I went on fast. I'm not preaching against your Daniel fast if you guys are doing that. I don't know. I got quiet in there for a moment, so I better tread softly. <laughs> but I've been on extended fast. I, I, and I, this is not a boasting thing. This is a reality just to give you some context. I've done a 40-day fast twice with no food. And that's a hard thing, especially when, like, you know, you, like, you don't have much body mass. And I've done a three-day fast with no food, no water, two times. And going no water for three days was a thousand percent more difficult than going 40 days with no food. A million times harder. My body felt like it was going to die because if you start reading about water and the essentiality of your body, you're dying. That's why it feels that way. That's why fasting feels that way. I know we like to make, anyways, hallelujah, amen. <laughs> but water, so basic, so simple. But it is essential. It is powerful. There's this place called South Dakota. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's south of the North Pole. And uh, we're famous for a few things. Anyone know something we're famous for? Mount Rushmore. You ever heard of Mount Rushmore? You know those big four heads? Yeah, that's in South Dakota. Famous for our state bird, the pheasant. People travel all over the world to come slaughter our state bird. That's like, you know, someone traveling to America and shooting the bald eagle. They come to our state and they kill our rainbow chicken. That's good meat. But they're also famous for another thing called wall. It is a town in South Dakota. If you have those pictures, if you could help guide me through a couple of them, I'll point you. This is, this is a store in Wall, South Dakota. Since 1931, that store has been there in the town of Wall. You go to the next picture. This is a very unique place that you go where you can go and get five-cent coffee. Five-cent coffee. Now, when you go get five-cent coffee, you better make sure you have that coffee. So the next picture... And you probably can't tell justice in them. But I mean, it's like a mixing bowl, that, that filter up there. Because the line is out the door 
for five cents. You think you get a good deal at McDonald's. Five cent coffee in South Dakota. Next picture. And there's me with my cup of coffee and some free ice water. Next picture. This place wall, there's signs all throughout the country. Has anyone ever seen one of these signs before? Wall South Dakota puts up signs all over the place advertising free ice water. Next picture. Got some, um, there's actually a picture of why you might not be able to see in there. Someone holding up a wall drug sign there at the Great Wall of China. <laughs> Next picture. You see these signs all over the place getting people to go get some free ice water. Next picture. There, right there. 10,728 miles away, there is a sign. This is a real picture of Waldrock. Next picture. This is actually going on during World War II. There was a sign put up at this intersection overseas for Waldrock, 4,278 miles away. Next picture. Those are a variety of pictures to let people know about this town called Wall where you can get a free coffee and donut, where you can get some free ice water. Next picture. There's some more. Next picture. There's another sign there overseas, 4,502 miles away. Next picture. Another one, 5,397 miles to Waldrug of South Dakota. Next picture. This is a real picture, not doctor, not photo. This is, it may look like a sandy beach to you, but that is the South Pole. That is an expedition to the South Pole. While they are out there, they have a sign for 11,568 miles to Wall Drug Store in Wall, South Dakota. Next picture. There might be a video too, I don't know. If it don't play, don't worry about it. Brother Lindell Anderson, IBC Praise needs one of those right there. <laughs> we need some new, you know, things are changing around Calvary, right? You know, this is a good time to bring in the bagpipes. <laughs> Gotta reach all, by all means. Save, save. Probably lose more than you save. <laughs> Wall, South Dakota, all over the world. You find these signs to let people know about this place that has barely over 700 people living there. I'm going to do something awkward and weird. I'm going to read a story to you. I don't do this often. This is not like me. But I feel strong to share this lengthy read with you if you would listen very carefully. It is the story behind those pictures it is the story behind those signs that we just read. It is the man who ran the Wall Drug Pharmacy there in Wall, South Dakota. If you ever want to look it up, it's from Guidepost Magazine from 1982. And in his own words, he writes this, the beginning. I want you to listen very carefully. It was December 1931. Dorothy and I had just bought the only drugstore in a town called Wall on the edge of South Dakota Badlands. We've been open a few days and business has been bad. I stood shivering on the wooden sidewalk in this little prairie town where there's only 326 people. 326 poor people. Most of them farmers who've been wiped out either by the depression or drought. Christmas was coming, but there was no snow, no sparkling lights, just viciously cold air. Out on the prairie, the cold wind whipped up dust devils. I could see a tin Lizzie chugging along the two-laner. Suitcases were strapped to the running board. Someone's going home for the holidays. I thought to myself, I sure wish they would just stop, even for just a cup of coffee. But they didn't. Here on Main Street, no one was out. So I went back inside. I turned the light off over the soda fountain and joined Dorothy and our four-year-old son, Billy, in our apartment. A room we made by stretching a blanket across the back of the store. I graduated from pharmacy school in 1929. And after two years of working with other druggists, I knew that Dorothy and I had to find our own store. My father just died. He left me a $3,000 legacy. I'd work with that. 
We were living in Canova, South Dakota, when we began our search, covering Nebraska, South Dakota, and our Model T. As we searched, we were sure of two things. We wanted to be in a small town, and we wanted the town to have a Catholic church. In Canova, the nearest parish was 20 miles away. We wanted to be able to go to Mass every day. In Wall, where the drugstore was for sale, we found both a small town and a Catholic church. We went and talked to the priest, a doctor, and the banker. They all told us that Wall's a good place with good people, and they wanted us to come live there. Dorothy and I were excited about Wall, but when we got back home and told our families about the plan, we found them skeptical. That town is in the middle of nowhere, a cousin said. And furthermore, everyone there is flat broke busted. My father-in-law was understanding, but even he said, you know, Wall is just about as God-forsaken as you can get. The first few months went by and business didn't improve. I didn't mind being poor, my wife said to me. But I wonder if we can use our talents to their fullest here in Wall. When Dorothy spoke of talents, my heart sank. My wife had a teaching degree and had taught literature in Sioux Falls High School. Was I being fair, making her work in this prairie drugstore? But the next minute, Dorothy said, we shouldn't get down, Ted. I'm sure we can use our abilities fully here. We can make this place work. Dorothy's optimism lifted me, and I said to her, five years, Dorothy, five years. That's what I think we should give to this store. Five good years, and if it doesn't work by then, we will. Don't worry about then, said Dorothy. We'll make it go. And just think, Ted, pretty soon that monument at Mount Rushmore will be done, and there will be an endless stream of people going by. I'm sure they'll come visit us. We were not starving, it's true, but we began to make some good friends in Wall. Our pastor, Father John Cannoli, had become a tower of strength, helping us keep our faith strong. We worked hard to serve our neighbors well. Filling prescriptions for a sick child or an ailing farmer made me feel I was doing something good. I also studied some veterinary medicine on my own so I could help out farmers when their stock were ill. But all of this didn't seem to be enough. I still spent too many hours looking out the store window for customers who never showed up. I felt I was wasting too much of my life watching people pass by. Maybe as Dorothy's father had said, Wall was God forsaken. By the time the summer of 1936 came around, our business hadn't grown much at all. Our five-year trial would be up in December. What would we do then? Along with nine-year-old Billy, Dorothy and I now had a one-month-old daughter, Mary Elizabeth. What hardships was I putting them in store for? And one hot Sunday in July, though a great change swept up, swept up, it started quietly in the deadening heat of an early afternoon when Dorothy said to me, you don't need me here, Ted. I'm going to go put Billy and the baby down for a nap and try to take one myself. So I watched the empty store. I swatted flies with a rolled up newspaper. I stood in the door and no matter where I looked, there was no shade because the sun was so high and fierce. An hour later, Dorothy came back, and I said to her, too hot to sleep? And she said, no, it wasn't the heat that kept me awake. It was all the cars going by on Route 16A. The jalopies just about shook the house to pieces. I said, that's too bad. No, because you know what, Ted? I think I finally saw how we can get all those travelers to come to our store. I looked to her and said, how's that? And she said, well, now, what is it that those travelers really want after driving across that hot prairie? They're thirsty. They want water. Ice, cold water. Now, we've got plenty of ice and water. Why don't we put up signs on the highways telling people to come here for free ice water? Listen, I haven't made up a few lines for a sign. Get a soda. Get a root beer. Turn next corner just as near to Highway 16 and 14, free ice water, wall drug. Now, it wasn't Woodsworth, but I was willing to give it a try. During the next few days, a high school boy and I put together some, some signs. We modeled them after the old Burma Shave Highway signs. Each phrase of Dorothy's little poem went on 
a 12 by 36 inch board. We'd space the board out so people could read them as they drove by. The next weekend, the boy and I went out to the highway and put our signs for free ice water. I must admit that I felt somewhat silly doing it. But by the time I got back to the store, people had already begun showing up for their ice water. Dorothy was running all around to keep up. I pitched in alongside her. Five glasses of ice water, please, a father called out. May I have a glass for Grandma? A boy asked. She's in the car. We ran through our supply of cracked ice, so I began chiseling more off the block of ice. Say, good sir, one traveler in a Scottish brogue. I'm not going to attempt a Scottish accent, by the way. We're going all the way to Yellowstone Park. Would you mind filling this jug with your water? Hey, this free ice water is a great idea, said a salesman, sitting up on a stool. How about selling me an ice cream cone? For hours, we poured gallons of ice water, made ice cream cones, and gave highway directions. When the travelers started on their way again, refreshed and ready for new adventures, they gave us a hearty thanks. When the day was done, Dorothy and I were wiped out. We sat in front of the store watching the sunset, feeling a cool breeze come in off the prairie. And the summer twilight wall looked radiant. It looked like a good place to call home. Well, Ted, Dorothy said to me, I guess the ice water signs worked. They surely did work. We've never really been lonely for customers since then. The next summer, we had to hire eight girls to help us. And now that store is in good hands of Rick Husted. Waldrug draws up to 20,000 people on a good summer day. Free ice water. It brought us Husteds a long way, and it taught me my greatest lesson. And that is there is absolutely no place on God's earth that's God's forsaken. No matter where you live, you can succeed. Because wherever you are, you can reach out to other people with something that they need. Revival. Seems like a complicated thing, especially if you've been here long enough and you've had so many different preachers come through and say so many different things. Well, we tried that before. We did this. A lot of things can go through your mind when you hear the term revival and everyone's got their idea. And I'm not against ideas. But I simply pose this to you, that something so complex as a drugstore out in the middle of nowhere was destined to fail. But it thrived because they found a basic need that everyone had. Calvary, you hear me in the Holy Ghost. The revival that is coming not maybe coming, not possibly coming, not might come. I am telling you in the Holy Ghost, revival is coming. But it is not as complicated as we have made it to be. It is something so very basic. And it's so powerful. This story that I read, maybe more so for me than for you, because I can relate with a pioneer mentality living out in South Dakota, out in the middle of nowhere, hearing those people say, don't go there, Mark. It's a God forsaken land. That's a graveyard for ministers. There is no way you will survive out there. Warning after warning. People telling me you do not need to do that. You'll die out there. You'll be miserable out there. And there was truth to that. There was much misery in South Dakota. There was much trial in South Dakota. The things that we've gone through. I could sit here and just weep like a little child 
of real scars that have come through my life but I have found the breakthroughs that we have had have not been all that complicated at all if you are placed here in Calvary as this man said you can succeed don't sit there and contemplate maybe i can fully develop my talents somewhere else i'm telling you right here right now is what god has given you this moment to fully develop what he put in you I wonder if we can lift our hands for just a moment. I wonder if you can lift your voices for just a moment. This might be a different concept of a start for a revival. But I'm telling you right now, if you can grasp the singleness of heart, the Lord shall add to the church daily such as should be. store that area that town exists if you were to go there today that that video that's from someone in our church that was there it's not someone that attends our church but in jesus name one day and so that video of that darth vader playing those bagpipes that is wall today people drive from all over the world to go to this place that tiny town of 366 now over 700 this was a tiny little drugstore that a man decided to advertise free ice water where they have over 20,000 people come in on a hot summer day tourism's been up in South Dakota because we're the only state in the U.S. that has not had government shut down we like I only wear masks when I go travel it's a completely different world where I live this is all new to me but people have been coming all over and flooding all those spots you guys are helping our state so much I want to say thank you if you have been a tourist this summer God bless you but hear me they would have missed all these people 20 miles away from them that's how far it was off the far beaten path cars driving by all the time and we're wondering why can't we get no people why can't we get no people? Why can't we get new people? I'm telling you, there are people passing this building every single day. 20,000 probably every other afternoon. There's 20,000 people in the first six hours of the day passing by this building. There's another 20,000 people that probably pass by this building in the evening. And we are just wondering, where are the new customers? Where are the new people? And it's not going to be that complicated. It's just simply somebody in this church being a road sign and say there is free ice water in this house look we got the waters of baptism and we got the waters that live and flow from inside of us calvary you don't gotta sell yourself short you did not miss the boat of revival every day souls passing by would you lift your hands would you lift your voices Come on, will there be a lifting of the voice right now? I know it might be uncomfortable behind that mask, but I want to encourage you to lift up your voice just a little bit more right now. Would you push beyond the comfort? Would you push beyond the discomfort? Mendata, mentoto, sayatata. Hear me in the Holy Ghost. In 1 Samuel 30, 11, David is going through a tough time. His place just got raided. Everything taken from him. He lost it all. Now, you might have lost something, but he lost it all. And he's at a major breaking point. And so he went looking 
for what he lost. And he could not find it. And the Bible says in verse 11, as they went looking, they found an Egyptian in the field. And they brought that Egyptian from the field to David. The man was dying. And they gave him some bread. And he did eat. And they made him drink water. David kept looking and looking and could not find what he was looking for. But he found what he was looking for when he gave a dying soul some free ice water. Listen, Calvary. I submit to you that you will not find what you're looking for until you reach out to a dying soul and give them some living water. In Proverbs 25, 25, it says, As cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news. Ain't that the gospel? From a far country. And from within this church to without this building, our world's apart. You don't have to go to Africa. You don't have to go to Asia on a mission field. Once you go outside, you're walking into another part of the world. And if you would just give them some cold water, some good news, it says that's what it feels like. It's something so refreshing to them. Revelation 22 says, let everybody drink of this living water freely. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 8, freely you have received, freely give. We have been given water. I wonder if you could stand to your feet if you've been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Would you stand to your feet? Not trying to embarrass anyone if you're not standing. It's, it's not a look who's sitting moment. You have been giving some good news, some ice water that's been so good for your soul. But there are people that need the same water that is within you. When Jesus in Matthew 25, I don't have time to read all the verses. I recognize that it's, it's almost 10 to 9, and I want to respect your time and give a moment to respond in this altar. But you read Matthew 25 when Jesus separates the sheep and the goats. And he begins to tell them, I, I, I want to give you a blessing because you fed me. You visited me in prayer, in prison. You, you, you clothed me when I was without clothes. You gave me something to drink. You gave me water. And they're like, when did we ever do that? When did I give you water, Jesus? He says, when you went to someone without that, you came to me. And then all of a sudden, there's another group of people that don't make it into heaven. And he says, you're out of here because you never visited me. You never, you never gave me anything to drink. And they say, when, when did we not give you a drink, Jesus? He says, when you didn't give it to those people, it's as if you did not give it to me. This is why I feel very clear in the Holy Ghost. I'm speaking to a segment in this church. I don't know how large the group is. I don't know if it's five people, 50 people, 500 people. I don't know. But I am speaking to this group. And I want you to hear very carefully from the Lord. If you have found yourself unhappy, unfulfilled, very frustrated, and you can point it at whatever you want to point it at, you can say it's this, that, or the other. But in the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you, just like David, what you're looking for, you will not find until you find somebody that needs the water. Whatever, if it's your job situation, whether it's church transition going on right now, whatever your frustration is, that is just haunting you and boiling over inside of you.
if you could be like David that's looking for something, your answer is finding an Egyptian in the field that is dying and giving them water. And the Bible says that Egyptian, when he came to life, took David and all the troops to what they were looking for. And the Bible says they recovered all. They recovered everything. And God is about to help you recover everything. I don't know if they have this verse, but if you could put that up there, Matthew 10, 40 through 42. And this is the last portion of scripture. I'm going to say a couple last things. When Jesus is talking about going out and reaching people, he says, he that receiveth you receives me. And he that receives me receives him that sent me. He that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of water only in the name of a disciple. Verily I say to you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. What this is saying is Jesus says when you go out there into the field and you're witnessing to people, it says there's going to be people that will reject you. It will hurt. But there will be people that receive you. And when they receive you, you're going to find a new home. You're going to find a new life. You're going to find yourself in someone's life and they'll give you water. When you give to others, something comes back to you that you cannot buy with money. The evangelists here, we were just talking to the side when they were baptizing. And Brother Burns leaned over to me and he said, you see what happened in the atmosphere when they started seeing people get baptized in Jesus' name? There was a shift. Why? Because new birth brings new life to a church. You're filled with rage. You're filled with frustration and anger. But all you really need to do to heal the void that is inside of your soul right now is to come to this altar and say, God, I'm going to give somebody some free ice water this week. This Saturday, I know I had some plans, but I'm just going to adjust something because I want to find something. Look, you don't have to complicate. You might not be the professional in the house that's able to teach some 16-week Bible study, but it's simply you getting a cup and saying, God, I pray for a soul that I can find in the field, and I am simply going to let them know, just like the wall drug store signs 11,528 miles away is wall drug 5,472 miles away is wall drug you get some free ice water 381 miles away is some living water look just two blocks down the road take turn east and go a little southward you're gonna find a place called Calvary Tabernacle that's all you need to do you may not be able to explain the Godhead you may not be able explain Jesus name baptism in a moment but you being the road sign to say this is where the water's at go to where the water's oh I wish somebody would get a witness in your spirit (laughs) your healing is within reach. I felt the Lord tell me two things. That tonight his purpose was to give burden and to give healing. The sickness, not just in your body, but the sickness in your spirit will be healed when you feed an Egyptian in the field. You hear me in the Holy Ghost right now. As tough as everything is in your world, as aggravated, mad, and angry, and unfulfilled as you are, you think maybe now this is a good time to uh, go to a different church. This is a good time to go get another job, to move to another state. No, 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 no. You hear me right now. Here in this house is where God can fully develop your gift and your talent. There is no place here that is God forsaken. God is here. Go find a need. And the moment you when you give somebody... Look, if those individuals that got baptized gave us joy, 
And I would venture to say the majority of us don't know them on a personal level. If a stranger can give you joy, what about someone you personally give the water to? And you see, you see them up there getting put in the water and come out and have living water. You better believe the things of this world will grow strangely dim as you begin to see God's grace at work. You're healing. Is there somebody here that God's been talking to you that you want to come forward? And when you grab that cup, you are signifying before God that I'm going to give someone some ice water. I'm going to give somebody a witness. Is there anyone in this house right now? This altar is open. And we're going to stand together as a church. Does anyone want to come? If you don't want to come, that's all right. But if you feel all right, you practice, you know, you have your mask on. I don't know all the rules and guidelines. Maybe hopefully I'm not breaking rules right now. I'm, I'm just legitimately not too familiar with everything. There's going to be a witness of the Holy Ghost in these next few moments. You know, a barren womb is a frustrated womb. A barren womb is an angry womb. A barren womb is a wounded spirit. Now, I don't say this in a condescending way. I don't say this in a mean way. But would you receive it in the spirit in which I give it? And is merely a loving way to provoke you to do something good. If you've been at this church for years, maybe decades, and you haven't seen someone personally that you gave a free ice water to in this church, I'm not slamming, damning you, condemning you to hell. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, Jesus is coming back. And you might be in the last quarter of your life. You might be in the closing chapters. And maybe, God's good grace, you live another five, ten years. I respect our elders. I honor our elders. I, I have, this is not a mean spirit statement. But in your closing chapter, like Samson, it could be your best chapter. And you could do something of such magnitude that in your old age, you may not be able to come up to these altar calls at all times. I, I, I see faces that I remember when I was here oh my goodness almost 15 years ago and there's some that are not here today they've passed on to their reward Calvary let's make this the best chapter of this church not in competition of any prior chapters but in sweet harmony of working together through the woven tapestry over the years this has nothing to do with one pastor being better than the other pastor it has nothing to do with it it has just like pastor Mooney loves souls pastor Carson loves souls and they both are trying to steer this church to revival and they're going to bring as many ideas as they possibly can but ultimately the answer is in the road signs letting people know where the water's at if you want to be a part of that, would you hold that cup up to heaven? And would you say, God, help me to give somebody free ice water. I, I'm telling you right now, this church will fill up so fast if we would just let people know about the water. This church will fill up faster than you could ever imagine. You will have to go to multiple services. You will have to figure out some sort of building program. You're gonna, it's gonna blow people's minds. Just like it shocked the world about Wall, South Dakota. That 20,000 people show up there. I'm telling you right now, this church doesn't have to wait 20 years for this room to fill up. It can happen in 20 weeks. It can happen in 20 weeks if we get a burden. And if our burden lets people know about the living water, God will heal you. You will be healed of that cancer. You will be healed of that unforgiveness. You will be healed of what's been haunting your mind, of an old wound from decades ago or recent. Oh, when we see new babes, we see new life and new birth. 
God will heal the hurt. God will help you to forget all the pain that you've had recently. Lift up your voice, Calvary. Lift up your voice. That's it. God is birthing a burden. We're going to let people know about this living water. Woo, that's it. Come on. Oh, rabatatatakatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatatat